the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1800gambler or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1877770stop for Louisiana 1800270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 18778hopeny or text hopeny for New York Tennessee Redline 1800889 9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www1800 for West Virginia. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to the sessions. I feel like that was already an annoying way to start this show. Sorry. I felt right at the time and then I said it. It came out of my mouth and I was like, mm, can we take that back? Which I could. I could stop recording on this and start over again. But what's authentic about that? You know? The red light, the record button has been hit. I generally pride myself on being like a bit of a one-take wonder, whether I I like it or not. (laughs) Which Does that make you a one-take wonder? Uh, I guess not. Anyways, guys, welcome to the show. Um, Today, joining me is Diamond Dallas Page. Unbelievable talent um, and just a smart dude. That was my biggest takeaway. Honestly, I never really got to spend that much time with DDP. We've passed each other backstage and I've met him in passing in situations like that, but I've never really gotten to like pick his brain and talk to him like this. The guy is just with it, like so sharp. You can tell how much he's taking care of his body. And of course, you know, that's like a big thing that we all know about DDP from DDP yoga to him being able to help guys like Jake the Snake, Big Kaz. The list goes on and on. Paul Walter Hauser, there's so many guys um, that DDP has been able to like take under his wing, like into his own house. And whether it's helping people lose weight, getting people clean and off drugs and alcohol. We also talk about um, Live O2, um, hyperbaric chambers, which don't think that I didn't immediately jump off this uh, record and text John and be like, you need a hyperbaric chamber. Um, So I'm still in my pitch for that to John because I do feel like he should have one. Do we need to own one in our house? That feels like some very like fancy pants shit. Um... So, hey, an investment in his health and his future, our future. So I'm, I'm trying to make it happen here. Uh, but no, guys, DDP uh, is just great. The guy is a, a talker, an entertainer. Um, just gives some really great stories, too, of just his whole time throughout his career as a professional wrestler. And then now the stuff that he's doing now of just being on the health side of things and uh, being a big advocate for that and definitely being somebody that people know to turn to for advice in that space. So we get into it. DDP rules. You guys are going to like it. Here's Diamond Dallas Page. There he is. So good to see you. Great to see you. You know, I've been watching you. You know, everything you did in WWE over to the podcasting. I think you're doing an awesome job. I was touched that you reached out to me because I was trying to going to reach out to you. So kind of worked out perfect. <laughs> so here we are. No, I love that it worked out. It's so great. Obviously, I'm like a massive fan of yours from your career in the ring to all of the amazing things that that you have done and continue to do outside of the ring even though you still dabble, I saw you out there. I see, I see that you can still go out there. Uh, but no, I'm so glad that we were able to connect. Uh, me too, me too. Okay, I need you to walk me through because we just hit record on this. What is happening in your house? What is going on right now? About four years ago, I started doing hyperbaric chambers. Um, one of the main reasons, because I went to Daniel Bryan 
when, you know, they told him you're done, you know, too many concussions, too many dark spots on your brain. Three years later, the guy's performing at the most elite at a level ever, you know, but the, the, as soon as that WrestleMania, he was whatever that next WrestleMania was when he came back, I, 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 I beelined it for him. And I said, so how are you back here? And I said, is it hyperbaric chambers? He said, yeah. You know, he told me he spent an hour and a half in the morning and an hour and a half at night, every night. Wow. Is that excessive? I, I from, from what I understand, no. Um, now, he was also in the glass chamber. Like the glass chamber looks like, it looks like something out of, you know, space, you know, science fiction. Last year, I was down in bioaccelerator getting stem cells. The first thing they do after the stem cells, they put you in the hyperbaric chamber because it's oxidizing all of your blood. But for us, because your hubby to me, especially your husband and Brian. You know? Honestly, I'm sitting here like taking notes. I'm like, okay, let's buy a hyperbaric chamber. Let's get like, let's make this stuff happen. And you're not the first, I literally just had Brian on the show and he grazed the surface on things with the hyperbaric chamber. But I do, I think it's fascinating because I've heard from so many different athletes just how amazing it is. So I started there for four years and I have the most elite chamber that you can put in your house because mine, I got it from Austria. It was $78,000. It's 15 PSI. It's as elite as you can get. Now, segue to what I'm doing now. I still have that chamber, but there's a, a doctor, this guy, Mark, who developed what he calls LIBO2. And what LIBO2 is, is the training that they do for the athletes, like the ones who are competing, you know, on that ultra level, especially when they go to higher levels of altitude. So what you do, and, I, and I'll go in there after a little while, just to show you Paige, because she'll be hooked up to a mask, my wife Paige. And uh, what are you going on now? <laughs> she said, uh, <laughs> see, um, I literally just got off the bike and the treadmill because I walk backwards on the treadmill. Why? Just look up knees over toes. My knees are bone on bone. My knees are getting stronger day by day from my workout and adding in stuff I've learned from this guy, Ben Patrick, who his workout is all surrounded around what we've been taught never to do, knees over toes. So when you're walking backwards, it's completely different than walking forward. Like I can actually run backwards. If I run forwards, my knees and hips are shot. Wow, this is very interesting. You gotta understand, Renee, I'm the first person to ice his body in professional wrestling. For five years, they watched me do it. All the punishment, no one puts more punishment on themselves, but linemen in the NFL, but freaking steer riders, oh, yeah. Cowboys, oh, God, yeah. and, and wrestlers. And we're the, we have more, if you go back to that WWE, that WCW schedule, that was insane. So again, oxygen, this, I, 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 first person I ever heard was LeBron James doing it. It's like, 12, probably 12 years ago. LeBron may not ever be seen as Michael Jordan, but he's going to be the leading scorer of all time in the NBA. And he spend, he spends a million dollars on his body every day. So does, so does Tom Brady. So does every elite, elite athlete who gets it, who's playing. How is Tom Brady doing it? 90% of the things I'm doing. He's doing, he's not doing DDP yoga, but he's doing some form of yoga. Guarantee it. It's the food he eats. It's the hyperbaric chambers. It's all the stuff that he does to heal his body. So this live O2 thing, now this has been coming at me from 10 different ways over the last four years. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've got my hyperbaric chamber. Well, finally it came at me from someone who I really respected. And I said, okay, come over here and do it with me. When you get out of a hyperbaric chamber, you really don't feel anything. 
you feel like, oh, okay, if you're hungover, you'll feel better. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> Good one to thing know. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if, out, of, out of that, you just feel like, okay, I'm putting what we call doses in, like reps. You know, the more reps you are, you use it as an athlete or just anything in life, guitar player, violinist, whatever, the more reps you put in, the better you get. Is this a daily thing then? Daily you should be doing this if you have uh, the, the means to do it? I'm 66 and I just got off that Stairmaster, I mean, not Stairmaster, the, 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 the treadmill and the bike because I need to get my heart rate up and I can't do my workout. But I went right from that to my workout. And at any point in time, <laughs> I would stick my foot in your face <laughs> or pull it over my head. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's amazing. You know, Good. Okay, but you couldn't move like <sighs> that when you were like before you started doing your DDP yoga, right? Uh, no, not, my mobility... When I blow my back out, let me just finish the Flybo okay. too. God, I have thing. so many questions for so you. Okay. The oxygen you're taking in, like what we're breathing right now is 21% oxygen. So 21% oxygen, if you start to go up a mountain, it will go to, you know, 2020 or 19, 18, at 12,000 feet you're getting about 13 to 14% oxygen. Sea level, 21. You go up to 22,000 feet, now you're at 10% oxygen. So what I've trained myself, and I, I mean, I bought, I don't use bikes. I don't need cardio because of DDPY's kick-ass cardio. You know, it dramatically increases your flexibility, strengthens your core to a whole different level with no impact. So I don't need cardio, but now I'm using a machine that's taking the oxygen away. So I can't be doing all my stuff doing that. So I put this mask on and you'll see pages hooked to it. And it's a big white bag. And on the top part of the bag is 90% oxygen. On the bottom part of the bag, it could go down depending on where it's set. It could go down. Hers will be 14% oxygen. And my wife's a mountain climber. Okay. She's climbed Mount oh, Kilimanjaro, wow. okay. Mount Fuji. She's the real deal. She she did four, she did three 14ers, mean 14,000 feet high, three in a day. Oh, my day. God. Because the route she took going up and down and up and down. Um, but uh, back to this over here, I'm using it at... 22,000 mm -hmm. feet. And what will happen is, you notice little things, and this, a lot of people know about this because of COVID. Did you get one yeah. of those little things you put yeah. on your fingers? So, okay. So if it you, like they would say if you're ox oxygen. Oximeter? Ox Am I saying that right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it, yeah. And for some reason, your fingertips can get that immediately. So if you're under 93, that's yeah. not good. 92, that. You go down to that, like you, you've got COVID. You know what I mean? Like you're not getting enough oxygen. That's why they're doing all the ventilators, which I don't even want to talk about all that because that's a whole other story. It is. <laughs> um, but for this machine, that's how I knew about them. And every time you go to the doctor, they yeah. always put it on yeah. your finger now. So I'm wearing two of those. Okay. And my oxygen, because I, I, for one minute, I put on and I take it 90%. I'm already 97, 98, but now I'll be 99 or 100. Then I'm going to flip it down, and now I'm going to take the oxygen that's 10%. When I'm down there at that 10% level, now I start kicking it up, breathing only through my nose. The mask is completely and covers my face. The tube's coming out, and it's into the deprivation part of the oxygen and breathing in and out through your nose is really challenging. Yeah. And so go back and forth. And I've had my oxygen levels today go as low as 42. How do you, what happens to your body during that? Don't you feel like you're going to pass out? You do. You, you start to get to that spot. So maybe I'll be, I'll come back to around fifties, but at that last 30 seconds, I'm <sighs> going no matter what. I'm literally like, gulping for air man. right now while we're talking about this. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> so then so then I flick the switch and boom, I am up on top of this again. Uh, 90% oxygen. Now like your your body is like it's supercharged. So is it so is it, the point I, of it is that you're depleting your body entirely to just get all fresh new oxygen in there. Is that the point? Partial, okay. but more than anything, it's the boost. It's the shove. Like this gets to your brain. This gets everywhere. So all of a sudden to me, I'll still use the hyperbaric chamber when I just want to have 100% oxygen and go down, you know, 30, 40 feet below sea level because I'm reading or I'm, I want seclusion. Yeah. But when I want to work on my brain and my body, because this helps heal your body. I think John needs one. I'll, I'll turn I'll turn him on to the guy who, who came to my place. He came to my, travels with, all over the world. My buddy David, and he travels all over. And he, and he, like, he did it for me. Hey, when I did it here, it was me, Jake Roberts, my business partner, we call him the yoga doc, Dr. Craig Aaron, and Mark Merrow. Me, Jake, and yoga doc bought it on the spot. Wow. No questions asked. It was like seven grand, no problem. This is my body. Really, everything that I do from DDPY to how I eat to the story I tell myself is gearing me. I'm not preparing for 70. I'm 66 now. I'm not preparing for 70. 70 is going to be here tomorrow. I'm preparing for 80, 90, 100 Maybe a hundred plus. Let's live forever, for the love of God, please. But but you don't want to live if you don't feel good. Of course, true. If your brain's not working, I don't want to be here. I've had my brain scanned, CT'd, everything. And my brain, for a guy who's 66, is above normal right now. But if you would have taken it, I wish I would have taken it four years ago before I started this. Because it wasn't, and I've knocked my, I'm not in any way proud of it at all, but I've knocked out quite a few guys, and I've been knocked out quite a few times. Nobody wants to do that to each other, but shit happens. Let's just walk in there. and Yeah, I want to see this. I want to see this, and then I'm going to start firing a bunch of questions to you. This is the, uh, you know, our little workout area, the gym area. So we do uh, a lot of our DDP yoga stuff in here. This is my, uh, this is my wife. Hi. <laughs> Not to intrude on your workout. <laughs> she can't hear you. Uh, so right now her oxygen level is at 87. Okay. And, and you just, she just, she just flipped it down. Now, this bag right here is filled with 90% oxygen. And the little bag down there, that is filled with, uh, like, in her scenario, like, you can see that she's in the yellow. I was up here. Where of course you were. Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, it, but it took time to get there. It's like anything. This is one of those hyperbaric chambers I told you about. And this is... The Mac Daddy. I just moved it into this room so I could do that. But that looks like a spaceship. Fight fans come out swinging with a no-sweat first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code Renee. Bet on who will win knockouts when the fight will end and so much more. So, guys, if you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. Join now with promo code Renee to get a no-sweat first bet. That's up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win, exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467369 for New York. 
The TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Um, Okay, what were the things that you were seeing um, throughout the duration of your career that made your brain start firing off like this of how can I better myself? How can I help other people? Um, what really was like the seed that started all of this for you? Really myself first. Yeah, you guys got to remember, I tried wrestling when I was 23. It didn't work out. I had three matches. I sucked. I hurt my knee. And I got a nightclub business and booze the broads in the party, took me in a different spot. But I came back to it as a manager to color commentator, mainly because Jake the Snake Roberts came in my club and we just hit it off. And then he, I didn't make him pay for anything. And Ted DiBiase, here's a picture of Ted DiBiase and bringing the million dollar, uh, and uh, Luke the Bushwhacker. Oh my gosh. He put that picture up on his Facebook, you know, saying DDP before he was DDP. Later that night, me and Ted do it upside down to kill. Oh my you. gosh. Look at that head of hair on you. Um, Look at you go. Crazy. Um, Love that. But, you know, starting as a wrestling manager and lucky enough to be getting that break. And then then I went to Florida and I'm still running my nightclub because, you know, the first three and a half years I made nothing. It cost me money to be DDP. Um, but once I got the opportunity to go to Florida Championship Wrestling, I met Dusty Rhodes and the dream man. He he took me. Uh, this, this is one of my favorite pictures of me and him. We're at a Willie Nelson concert. That's a great photo. Uh, I love I loved him so much. Uh, he, mm-hmm. this, later that night, he gets up and he's playing with Willie. Of course he was. Of course he, <laughs> he was. He wouldn't get off the stage. He's up there for like 10 songs. <laughs> but, uh, Play September songs, yeah, baby. You know, daddy. <laughs> um, so uh, he, um, we developed a real relationship, you know, and I tell people all the time, it's not about who you know. It's not about networking. It's about building real relationships. It's about, you know, who's willing to say they know you, who's willing to pick up the phone, make a call for you, uh, put their name on the line for you. Dusty did that for me, like over and over again. And uh, that's why I was lucky enough to be where I am today without Dusty Rhodes. I, I don't feel there is a Diamond Dallas Page without Jake the Snake Roberts. There's no three-time world champion. So at some point, becoming – they wouldn't let me manage anymore because the hair and the clothes and the bling and the dolls and the rap. They're like, you're too loud. Yeah. You're taking away from the wrestlers. Too, Let's get you in there. I was too over <laughs> the top of professional wrestling. <laughs> You know what? I think that's a compliment. Cheers. <laughs> so at 35 and a half, Renee, I started training to be a wrestler. I had seven months left of my contract. Dusty told me I was crazy. Everybody. Because they liked me in the office. They liked me doing color commentating. I was fourth string, but Dusty really liked me. And I was learning so much about behind the scenes, but that's not where I wanted to be. So I, I started on that power plant and day one, I was icing my knees and my back and everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, I, I did, I, I'm the first guy to do weekly deep muscle massage therapy, chiropractic, applied kinesiology. I am the first one by 20 plus years to even know what cold press organic juice was. Where were you learning about this from? Like, how did you have such an edge on everybody? I, first of all, I, I was reading at a third grade level at the age of 30 and I had just dyslexic and, and, you know, ADD still have it today, but I'm much better reader today, uh, writer, et cetera. But back then I would ask a million questions, you know, and I had a sixth sense, you know, of healing myself. Michael P.S. Hayes, when I told Michael, you know, because I was managing the Freebirds and those guys, you, he, those are, you know, Michael, he's like the biggest. There's these guys were the biggest rivers of all time. The day they heard that I lost, you know, my job as a manager, I'm not going to manage Scott Hall anymore, the Diamond Stud. I'm not going to manage the Freebirds. And, and they came towards me so empathetically. I couldn't believe it. They were like, listen, D, we're so sorry. They were so genuinely caring for you know me you know losing this position and then i said don't worry about guys i'm good i got seven months left to my contract i'm gonna learn how to wrestle they looked at each other 
and burst out laughing. Michael fell down laughing, you know, like it was like, that was what everybody thought. So the main thing I knew, because I was an athlete my whole life, I was an athlete. I'm willing to put the work in, not just to learn how to play basketball, to play basketball all the time. What can I do to rehab myself so I don't get injured? And that's what I took into uh, wrestling. I wasn't just there to learn how to wrestle or cut a better promo. I was there to, how do I keep going? I'm 35 and a half. An example of Jake the Snake Roberts, we're out one night and we're in a bar, you know, we're having some drinks and he popped the pill in his mouth and chewed it up and swallowed it. I said, did you just chew up a Percocet? He said, yeah. I go, why would you do that? They taste horrible. And he said, well, when you chew on something, it goes right to your brain. I go, yeah, but you've got a few of those. How many? He goes, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, you know, 12, 14, 15. Who knows how many he was taking back then? And I said, why are you taking so many? And he said, because they lose their potency over time. So for me, it was like, man, I'm 36, 37 years old at the time. I'm like, I need those things to work. So I only took them. I'm not ever going to say I never took them recreationally. But if I did, it was one. You know, bottom line is I was not going to make that my crutch because I needed them to work. My career didn't take off till I was 40, you know? So my whole run, when people go, oh my God, the run you had was between 40 and 46. I mean, I know that, you know, obviously everyone knows that and it's like a familiar story, but I think me being uh, 36 now and thinking about that, like, I think a lot of people start to feel at a certain point, like, oh, it's too late to start doing this new thing, or I'm already this one thing. How can I move in and do this other thing? I think it's like incredibly admirable, admirable to have started your in-ring career really at that point in time. Like, obviously not an easy thing to do. You've got the free birds laughing at you. You've got people doubting you. Were you ever doubting yourself with this choice? We did a documentary um, about... Um, of course, we did the resurrection of Jake the Snake. Have you ever gotten a chance to see that? I have, yeah. Yeah, that's super powerful. We did another one called Relentless. And Relentless is for me blowing my back out to where we are today. You'll see points in this where, you know, because Steve, who's my business partner, we filmed, we had 18 years of film, of film footage. So there's times where I really, you know, doubt, you know, doubt myself, but I don't stay there long. Everyone second guesses themselves or doubts themselves. The people who make it are the people who say, okay, stop feeling sorry for yourself. How do we get to the next level? You know, and you can't stay there. What I have found, Renee, in my life, and I've lived five lives, you know, I mean, I really, God has really blessed me, but I have found that every time, and take death out of the equation, everything that was the worst thing to happen to me, everything has been the best thing to happen to me. Isn't that always crazy when you're in that moment and you think you're rock bottom, you think there's no way I'm gonna be, I'm gonna pull myself out of this or things are gonna get better and the tide's gonna change. And then that's when new magical shit starts to happen. It's like after a fire and the forest starts to regrow again. Right. It's it really, but if you pull yourself down, I call it emotional gravity. Like nobody can pull you down more than you. No one can stress you out. No one can worry you into a tailspin like you can. I, I speak about this all the time. Cornell did a study and they followed a large group of people for an extended period of time. And they were, it was all about worrying people's worries and what they found out by this two year study that they did. 85% of the things we worry about never happen. Of the 15% that was left over 79% of those people whose worries came to fruition. 
handled them way better than ever thought they were going to. And a lot of them said they were glad it happened because they learned something so important, you know, and, and that was going to help them like life changing things. So 97% of the things we worry about never happen. You see, I know that, you know, it, it's kind of like this, this bottle right here. If I hold it out here for 30 seconds, it's not a big deal. But if I hold it out longer and longer, my arm's going to begin to hurt. If I hold it out here for a day, my arm's going to get numb and feel paralyzed. That's what holding on to worrying about thing is. If you just think about it for a second or two, hey, it's not a big deal. But if you think about it longer, it starts to really affect you and bother you and hurt you. And if you hold on to it for that day and it becomes worse than the next day, you literally paralyze yourself. Like all you got to do is remember sometimes, put the bottle down. Put it down. Yeah. Put it down. <laughs> Put the bottle there. Okay, how the hell did you get so smart and so educated in so many different areas when moments ago you just said when you were 30, you had a third grade reading level? How the hell do you overcome that to now be a man that's been able to obtain all of this knowledge? You're speaking to other people. You're like working in all these different areas of, of health and helping so many other people. How did you overcome that? Being a people person, a nightclub guy, I could adapt. You know, Muhammad Ali was dyslexic. Jay Leno is dyslexic. Tom Cruise is dyslexic. Somehow you find a way around it. For me, at some point, I couldn't read Tony Robbins' books, but I could listen to those 20 cassette tapes he used to have. And there was a lot of things that, that, that he said that I still apply today. I learned a lot from listening. I was 31 at the time. And I knew I wanted, you know, even though I was in a nightclub business, wrestling was not a part of it yet. But I knew that I was going to have, you know, if I wanted to be, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be involved in acting. I didn't know where it was going to go or how it was going to go down. Which you have you gotta, a lot of acting credits, by the way. Holy moly. <laughs> I was like yeah. looking it up. I was like, damn, look at you go. Booked and busy. You know, just it's just being a part of something that I love doing, but I had to learn how to read. So I'll never forget my first ex-wife, who is best friends with me today. She owns part of DDPY. Her, her and my wife love each other. That's like cool. they, there's a picture at our wedding, Paige of mine's wedding, and she's there with Aaron, who I love like a brother, uh, <laughs> and, and they're both crying, and uh, Paige is thanking Kimberly for raising me, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's funny. But um, she's a Mensa. She's got 151 IQ. Uh, she graduated with her North her degree, uh, her master's degree from Northwestern at 21. Wow. Um, so one day she said, send me. we were going to the movies or something. She goes, look, read, read whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, and at that point I was like practicing trying to read out loud. And when I was trying to read it, she goes, stop screwing around and read it. I go, I'm trying. And she's the one who said to me, Oh my God, you're dyslexic. I go, what's that? You know? And when we went to LA, uh, I'd run into a friend of mine surfing and uh, we just went to lunch and we just started talking about um, just life in general. And at some point I said, something about dyslexia. He goes, so am I. He goes, you've got to go to the Eris Learning Center. Now I'm 48 at the time. They said, I've got to go to Eris Learning Center. There's this woman, Rose. If she's there, you want her. When he was with her five years earlier, she was 81. Okay. And the Eris Learning Center is in Culver City, California. It's one of the suburbs of L.A. It's you know, right off the beach. Mm -hmm. And um, they teach kids and adults with learning disabilities. So I went to see her. She was 86 still working there oh my gosh she, <laughs> she, Good for her. 
every Monday I would be home if I went away for the weekend or something. And every Friday I'd leave. So every Monday and Thursday, I went there for six months. She said by the, by the second month, she said, I took home more homework than anyone she'd ever seen before. And you have to understand, I've never done homework. Right. I got other people to do it for me, you know, or took the F and skated through school. How? Because teachers like me, you know, and I would be I would be involved when it was verbal. When it came to reading as a little kid, just trying to read and, you know, how brutal little kids are. Oh, my God, and the worst. They're laughing at you. You know, I just would hit the kid in front of me before it was my turn to get sent to the principal's office. You know, that was one of my ways <laughs> out of it. That's a tactic, yeah. Right. Or I can't see the, the board. My I, I can't see it. I can't. My you know, I, I get headaches, you know, whatever you, you make up to get around it. But I'll tell you what, it made me incredibly. I also was a broken family. So I bounced around from one family to another. Those yeah, you things, were raised by your dad for a while, right? For a little while. I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call it raised. I would say. You're hanging around with him. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was hanging out with him when he was, you know, occasionally when he would be back at the house. I was with aunts and uncles and, you know, family members, uh, and yeah, I bounced around like a pinball. I'm not bitter about any of that stuff because when I look back at it, I am the most adaptable human being alive. I can, I literally, and I talk about this, I can be with a, a, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company one day, or I could be riding motorcycles with Chuck Zito the next. And Chuck, was, as you know, he's, he was the president of the New York chapter Hell's Angels for 25 <laughs> years. And he's a good friend of mine. He's yeah. a good friend of mine. Young, uh, but uh, it, it, it doesn't matter. Just I, I take things as they come and I don't hold. Something I learned long, long time ago, like some of my, you know, friends who are really close to me like how can you forgive that person how can you forgive them and i never really i said because i'm not holding on to that i'm just not holding you know it's the same sometimes you got to put the bottle down you know but but i heard this and it became mine as soon as i heard that holding on to anger holding on to like hatred or just disliking someone so much or whatever the thing is you're holding on to it's like you swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. Yes, I I, I love that phrase. It's so true. Yeah, I, I've heard I've seen that like it, whether it was on an Instagram post or someone's T-shirt or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's a good one. Write that one down. Jake and I do our podcast, DDP Snake Pit. And when I first if you look at that first scene of me seeing Jake for the first time in a long, many, many years, and he's in this little hobble of a house and he's 300 pounds and he can't barely walk around and can't get up or sit down and, and talking to him and the, and the shit that came out of his mouth, like me and Steve, you, who's probably this hardest working, smartest human being. I know that's my business partner, Steve, you, uh, he said, so what do you think? Because he was filming everything. And I said, I don't think I will ever be able to have a real conversation with my brother again. I, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do it. And then once he got sober, and on the way there, it was still bad. It got to a point on the way to getting sober I would, he would just say things and like around like one of my daughters or something, you know, and, and I'd look at him, I go, yo, Jake, whatever you're thinking of saying, don't like just <laughs> no, say the opposite. Oh, okay. Say the opposite, <laughs> okay. you know? And, um, the bottom line is once he got sober and he fell a couple of times those first two years, but it was like just for a day. But the last six years, he has been stone cold sober. It's amazing to me. And he heard me say that somewhere in the podcast early on. And then a couple of podcasts ago, he said that exact quote about holding on to 
anger. And, and, and then he said, you know, it's like swallowing poison. Expect the other person to die. And I thought, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 Never know whose ears are open and like hearing those things. I mean, yeah, for anyone that's not been able to watch that documentary, I mean, I feel like that really kind of sums up to, a, a you know, the, the biggest degree of what you do of being able to help people from helping Jake Roberts um, to helping big cast. He was living at your house for a while. You helped him big time when he was going through. We talked about that. I had him on the podcast a while ago um, to even having on uh, Paul Walter Hauser. I talked to him when he was spending some time with you as well. Where did that all start for you from really wanting to extend that olive branch to so many people to to bring them literally into your own house to help people out? Well, I got to give the credit to Steve You, You know, Steve is, Steve is Cornell graduate, was recruited by IBM. Was He'd probably be running IBM right now if he would have stayed. And he left probably 20 years. You know, after he was there for eight years. He left because it's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to inspire people. And one day he walked up to me in LaGuardia Airport. That's where I met my wife, Paige, too. Really? At the airport. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, the airport's been really good to me. Uh, <laughs> but um, It's one thing a life on the road will get you, right? At least you point right. some good relationships out of it. Because <laughs> I hate traveling at this point. You, you yeah. know how much we travel. It's, oh, my God. Uh, honestly, uh, I'm like, I'm happy in my little corner here. <laughs> so um, he'd come up to me and said, he just said, hey, Diamond Ellis Page. I'm like, yeah. He goes, man, I, I watched your, your career. You had a great career. He said, uh, he goes, but I really love what you're doing today. And I go, what do you know about what I'm doing today? And he had seen something, someone I'd helped. He goes, I'm filming this documentary called Inspired the Movie. And uh, I would love to follow you with someone. And the first two guys didn't work out because, you know, guys start and stop. It's just the way it's like, the, it's just life. But then Arthur Borman came into my life. And what's really amazing, it, it equally as inspiring, the Resurrection of Jake the Snake is one of the most inspiring documentary series out oh, there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, equally as inspiring is uh, Relentless because it's everything that I've done over the last 20 years and Stone Cold Steve's Austin's in it and, um, and different guys that went through this journey with me. Like Steve thought I was nuts when I started this whole DDPY thing. You know, he didn't want to see me invest in, you know, all my money. And that's what I did. I was $548,000 in before I made a dime. So Steve, you and I, we decided to, Let's just rebrand the company. Stop calling it YRG, which is yoga for regular guys. Let's just call it DDP Yoga, and let's let's just rebrand it, reface it. And he came in as one of my partners, really smart guy. And at some point, I told him, I said, Jake saw the video of Arthur Borman, the disabled veteran, and he was blown away. He said he'll try to do the program. And he said, Jake who? I go, Jake the Snake Roberts. He goes, you know Jake the Snake. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. we, we never talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he had seen what, you know, where Jake was at because it was everywhere. It was all over the internet. You know, you couldn't hide from the really, really bad video footage that was out there of him. And um, He's like, God, can you imagine if you moved him in your house? Because I was moving to L.A. and I bought this house. And I went, well, you know, he don't have to live with me because he did live with me 20 years before that. And he lost a 12 foot black cobra in my house. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. no. Yeah. And Jake no. was Jake was high maintenance back then you know high maintenance and i'm like man i don't know he goes yeah but imagine if he's around me and you and back then my company was like four people you know now it's like 24 you know but back then it was four people you know and we all worked at my house he goes can you imagine if he's around us though you know with all the, the positive energy and, and i went all right, but I got to make him lose 20 pounds on his own first. He's got it. He's got it. I never, he, I don't care who it is. And Jake already did a lot for me, but 
he had to do something on his own. Everybody knows who Josh Brolin is, right? The actor. Of course. When we did the resurrection of Jake the Snake, um, the guy who came in as one of our executive producers, a guy named Chris Bell. And Chris Bell did Bigger, Stronger, Faster. He did a lot of, you know, he's done a lot of cool documentaries. Well, him and Josh are friends. So he gave him, Josh Brolin, the Jake's documentary to uh, take a look at it and see what he thought. And he sent him this text and I've kept it forever. He writes, Chris, just watch the documentary and I'm in stunned silence. Wow. A happy ending. And then he put in parentheses because he's an addict as well. Or at least until now, question mark. Wow, DDP, what an amazing guy, a real man. Thank you so much for turning me on to that. A great story of hope and love and real compassion. I needed to see that. Wow, that's so amazing. That's so cool. You never know who's watching things and seeing things. It's, it's really incredible. I love that. Very, very cool. Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the Volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download Three and Out with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about before I let you go, Ric Flair's last match. You were there. You got to be on hand for that. I, I actually, I saw you from a very far distance in Nashville. Um, what did you think? How did you, what did you think of the entire event? Well, I thought it was a great event for guy because Rick, Rick had the greatest send-off ever. <laughs> <I know. laughs> when he left the WWE. <laughs> But you know what? He's Ric Flair. And Rick actually called me and asked me if I would be in the match with him. Do like a, a six man. And I'm like, at first, first he said, D, how old are you? Ah. <laughs> I go, 66. He goes, I've seen you. You're in, you're, you're in great shape. He goes, I, I'd really love to have you be in this match. I go, Rick, I can't do it, man. I feel so good. I can't take a chance of hurting myself. He goes, I feel great. I go, you're not from this planet. You know? <laughs> and, that, and that's when he talked to me into doing the roast. And I'll tell you, I would only do it for him. And I'm not a roast guy. I'm not a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I came up with some things, some friends of mine, Paul Walter Hauser was one of them who wrote me, uh, you know, who's one of the he's great, great. Oh, he's such a great human being. I love that guy. He's awesome. His new show, Blackbird, by the way, on Apple Plus, if you guys aren't watching it, is very, very good. He's so believable in it. The guy's got to win an Oscar at some no, point. Like will. everything I see him in, he is just like breathtaking. Did you see him in, uh, in um, Cruella? I did. Oh my god! They he had to audition for that because they didn't believe he could do the Cockney accent. They were like, "You're perfect." <laughs> yeah. Like, this cat spent eight weeks with me to lose forty pounds. He was telling that. me. Yep. It was amazing. We got we've gotten to know each other. We talk all the time, He's but cool he wrote guy. me a, 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 one or two of the jokes. I I was written stuff that I'm like, I'm not saying that about Rick, you know. <laughs> Me and Rick, we had conflict in, in, in our careers. And I was just trying to get him, get his respect, you know. But, you know, bottom line is we did. And, and there was times where we said about shit about each other and back and forth. And I, right after I saw the big balloon drop, you know, 14 years ago, I'm like, God, I love Ric Flair too, you know. And, and the next the next weekend, we were both at a signing in Jersey. And uh, when he walked in, I was like, Rick, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, sure, Diamond. We walked over to the corner and I said, listen, man, I know I, you know, we've had heat over the years. He goes, ah, oh, Diamond, water under the bridge. Don't worry about that. I go, Rick, I'm not worried about it. I truly want to fix it. I said, I, you know, I, I don't know how it started. I don't care. I mean, I know you've said some stuff. I've said some stuff. I don't care. I said, I would so much rather like start all over again. I go, I'm Diamond Dallas Page, and I put my hand out. 
And he popped. He grabbed my hand. He hugged me, kissed me on the forehead. God bless you, my son. And, you know, felt like I was anointed, you know, yeah. by the Pope, which I kind of was. And, and Rick was so cool. And we 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 over those next few years. And when I went in the Hall of Fame, he flew me home in his Learjet. When he found out it was my birthday, he took me out to dinner, wine me, dined me, and sent me home in a limousine. I mean, that's Ric Flair, but that was the greatest ending to a Hall of Fame week you could possibly have. Uh, while we're going down uh, memory road here, um, I thought it would be cool to close out with maybe a, a memory that you have uh, with Scott Hall. I mean, something that you got to obviously spend so much time with. Um, I'm sure you have millions of stories, but <laughs> yeah, maybe just talk about Scott Hall for a little bit. Well, you know, coming in because I had Dusty. When Dusty brought me in as the manager, I had worked for him in Florida Championship Wrestling. And then... When he brought me into WCW, he just didn't bring me in as a manager and a color commentator. He put me in the office. So I'm there and I never knew the heat I was getting from it. <laughs> but <laughs> your you office. Know, this, uh, you know, I'm in the office, but, but from the people in the office. Because <laughs> he would ask me questions. What do you think, Dave? He would, hey, D, what do you think about this? You know, and I give my answers, you know? Yeah. So I really kind of felt like I knew a lot, you know, because of being in that spot. And, and then Scott Hall had called me and I'm managing the Freebirds. And he says, uh, hey, Dally, he's always called me Dally because we worked together in Florida Championship Wrestling. And he said, you remember that diamond stud idea? I said, yeah, of course I do. It was an idea I had for a tag team. And um, he said, you know, you wouldn't look like Andre the Giant with those tiny little free birds if you were standing next to six foot six, 295 pounds, a twisted steel and sex appeal. <laughs> yeah. And I went, wow, <laughs> you're right. Let me call Magnum. So I call Magnum up. Magnum T.A. is Dusty's right-hand man at the time. He goes, you know, I always liked Scott. He goes, let me run it up the flagpole. Let me ask Dusty. He came back, called me back. He said, they're not going to look at him. And I go, but why, man? He's 295. He looks great. You know, he's a handsome son of a bitch. He goes, he's been here twice, D. And what he had told Scott had told me before this was New York wouldn't return his phone calls. And he would Atlanta. And that's why he was coming to me. I said to him when he said, we've already seen it twice and he didn't get over. I said, what if I could change his look? And he said, what do you mean? I said, what if he didn't look like Scott Hall? And he goes, I'll tell you what, we're not flying him up. If he'll drive, I go, he'll drive. He goes, I'll get you to try out. So I call Scott up and I tell him that they don't want him. And man, his wife's pregnant with Cody at the time. He He's thinking about going to work for Home Depot, right? He says, I, I said to him, I said, how about this? Nobody's got jet black hair. If you go back to the night, late late 80s, 90s, everybody had blonde hair. Everybody had you know, dirty blonde hair. They had blonde hair, everybody. Except for Honky Tonk, man. I said, what if you dyed your hair like, that blue-black Elvis color. He said, all right. He goes, I'll do it. Okay, so I said, be here tomorrow morning because I want to make sure we got things together because I got some clothes. I've got this idea for you know what I want you to look like. So um, he shows up at my house. Oh, wait a minute. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm watching MTV because I'm a nightclub guy. I'm, I'm still not used to going to bed at 11 or 12. I still don't tonight. I don't get to bed till 12 or 1. And uh, I said, I, I called him at two in the morning. He's like, Dally, what are you doing? My wife's sleeping. Hold on. So he gets out of the bedroom. He goes, what? I go, I'm watching George Michael right now. And, and MTV, he's got this five o'clock shadow. It looks unbelievable. you got to shave that walrus mustache. And he says, Dally. I've had this mustache since I was 15. <laughs> of course. 
<laughs> I said, just another reason why you need to shave it, you know? So he shows up at my house with that five o'clock shadow that he got around two o'clock. It completely changed his face. He was so <laughs> handsome. But he he dyed, he dyed his hair with, it was like that wash-in dye, you know, so like mousy brown. No, it's like mousy brown, you know? I go, the hair's not making it, but the mustache looks awesome. So I took him to the girl back then. He used to do my highlights for me. When I looked at him, boy, I put him in these Cavaricci pants. I put him in this long coat that was, uh, it was a camel hair coat, hot as hell, but it looked really cool. Black sunglasses, and he brought his own loafers. And when we rolled into where we used to film, where um, when we rolled into uh, center stage, no one knew him. Not and and but you got to think about that. That's Say awesome. you just you know you know what you look like. You know who you are. If you did your you know red, you did your hair red, and you just you just got a tattoo or something, you know, and no one knew you. You'd be like Becky, it's me. You know whoever it is, it's me. Oh my god. You know, it's that, it's that thing, you know, it freaked him out, but Dusty loved it. And now we're doing our first interview and this is the most classic thing of all time. And this is God's work. We're leaving Waffle House and Waffle House. They've got toothpicks there. They're one of the few places we got toothpicks. And I grabbed two toothpicks. I give them one. I put it in my mouth. I'm like, Oh my God, bro. I got this great idea. We'll both have toothpicks. And right at the end, we flick them at the camera. After the match, I, I give them the toothpick. We're in, being interviewed in the middle of the stage. I've got mine in my mouth. And while I'm talking, mine falls out of my mouth. And he does the bump, bump, bump to the camera. Bad guy was born. Wow, wow, wow. That's awesome. I had no idea that it originated in a Waffle House. I feel like that's where all um, great American moments happen. Happens in the Waffle House. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> That's amazing. A wow. Great story. Very cool. Love that. This is a picture of me and him back then. Look at you guys. Look at that beefcake. I'm an inch and a half smaller than him. So I would always spread my legs wider or hunch down. Oh, I know how that goes. Doing those backstage interviews. You stand in front of me. I'll take off right. my heels. I'll make AJ Styles look like he's 6'3", everybody. Exactly. <laughs> what a great human being he is. I love that He guy. is. Love I love. Him. I love AJ. I've not seen him in a while. I, I love AJ Styles. He's the best. The best. Well, listen, I've really loved having you on the show. It's been a ton of fun talking to you. I feel like educated from the hyperbaric chambers into, I mean, just all of it. You're a fascinating man. So uh, hats off to you for just being able to help as many people as you have. And through DDPY that people have access to everything that you do. It's really, really awesome. So if you're not already on the DDP bandwagon, jump on there read the list, adhere to the list, then get the ball rolling. <laughs> well, here's where I want to come back and see you again. We have been, I'll leave on this note. We've been filming. We just finished rap. We just wrapped two days ago. We've been filming a show. That's a docu-series and it's called change or die. And it's shot in the exact same resurrection, you know, where we did resurrection of Jake the snake that same home I was renting and I took it back because we needed it. And there's five people who come in and no one gets kicked out. It's not one of those things that kicked out unless you get yourself kicked out, you know, like, but I, I don't kick anybody out, but if someone, you know, if, if, if you, if you don't, if you don't do this and, you know, be productive and you're being a negative you're out because I'm, I'm not about people doing this. I'm about trying to get people to do this, you know, hand holding each other and helping each other. And if you, if you go, I'll leave you with this too. Don't anybody listen to a word I said or what you said, Renee, about DDP yoga. Go to Facebook. There is a fan, like members' site, DDP yoga, one word. 
Just one word. You'll know because there's 73,000 people there that are helping people on a level that's nowhere on the internet. It's the most unbelievable community of people ever. That's awesome. And yeah, 100%. And cost zero. But change or die, we'll go. I'll, I'll um, have Marlon get a hold of you once we know it's coming out. I'll get you the first episode or two, and so you can check it out. And uh, it's something really special. Oh, I love that. I would love to do that. And I'm also, um, I feel like I need to get in touch with you about the hyperbaric chambers. I'll give you your number as soon as we're done with this. Okay. Great hanging with you tonight. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, DDP, for hanging out with me and spending some time. And also, like, make sure to check out the YouTube version of this because, uh, yeah, he does take us into, like, the, like, workout room while his wife is doing the live O2 and showing off the bag and showing off the hyperbaric chamber and all of those, like, fancy things that you need to just stay healthy and keep your brain right, especially if you're uh, an athlete and uh, especially, especially if you're a professional wrestler. Um, All right, guys, you know what to do. I just gave a plug to the YouTube. So head on over there. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Hang out. We've had a lot of um, wrestlers on the show lately, which I know that's like the bulk of the show. But who else do you guys want to hear on here? Any requests? Should we manifest some other people to pop on the show that you guys want to hear from? Talk to me. Hit me up. Honestly, Twitter's the best place to reach me. I never really check my DMs on Instagram because that's a scary place. Um, But yeah, hit me up on Twitter. Let's have a chat over there. Um, And let me know who you guys want to hear on the show. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out. This has been The Session.